All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tigers Minor League Report podcast here on uh, Sunday nights. Rogelio was on his way. He was bowling some 200 games out there. Uh, close. He came close a couple of times. I, uh, it's me, Chris. That's Jerry over there. You know, you recognize Jerry from all the fine work he's doing with uh, articles and uh, deep data dives. Uh, you know, Joey Witt's fastball arm spots and, and things of that nature uh, and all the awesome Statcast data that he's compiled for us. But uh, yeah, uh, we're here. We're going to discuss the week that was in the minors. There's plenty of other baseball to talk about, too. Uh, the Tigers are on a nine-game losing streak, uh, seemingly losing in every way possible. Uh, things, honestly, haven't been much better in the minors. We'll get into that. Uh, but there's also college baseball going on right now, some pretty exciting college baseball. So it's 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 a good baseball time of the year. It's just unfortunate that the Tigers, uh, you know, man, we, we it seemed like they had some momentum there. And Fans were getting excited, and it just the bottom completely fell out once Bradley Green and Eduardo Rodriguez got hurt. And it's, uh, man, it's been tough to watch. There's been a few times where it seems like they're they just want to lose. Like, obviously, you know they yeah, don't, no. but like the ways they're doing it is just insane. No, it's it's exactly. I was thinking about that tonight. Uh, it's it's kind of the opposite of you know when they're having that fun little stretch there, and they came back and beat the White Sox twice after falling behind late. It felt mm-hmm. like they just. They, they didn't feel like they were out of it. They felt like they were they were going to win. And now it feels like the opposite. Like, if they have a lead, it feels like, well, how are we going to blow it this time? Right. And, 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 you know, A.J. Hinch wasn't messing around today. He put Alex Langan in the seventh inning, which, mm-hmm. you know, we've always thought he was going to do stuff like that. That's the kind of the smart manager, use your best reliever at the most, uh, the, you know, the highest leverage point. Mm-hmm. But... Even he he still falls into the like okay he's kind of our closer we're going to use him when right. it's time to close, uh, but not today and you know I, you can't really blame him but it didn't work out so uh, right yeah it's 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 been tough but uh, yeah we got all sorts of stuff to talk about this week there's been an, a, just a deafening chorus uh, to call all sorts of minor league prospects up uh, Colt Keith had himself another monster week and. Uh, and I put some, I put some data up too, the other day. Just uh, I took the, the, just kind of a random selection of top ten Tigers minor leaguers, uh, in various statistical categories, with, uh, you know, weighted runs created plus home runs, runs, all that good stuff. Just to give people, I don't know, just uh, you know, people who don't necessarily go to fan graphs and look at that sort of thing. I thought it might right. be fun to share. Uh, but then of course the. The, the immediate feedback we got was, you know, the top two guys at WRC Plus in the organization are, are Chris Myers and Justice Bigby, who are both 24-year-old mm-hmm. late-round draft picks who have been playing really well in West Michigan. And so the, the immediate response was uh, either, why are these guys still in high A, or the Tigers suck, this is so lame to keep these guys in high <laughs> A. Like, it was, you know, and um, I don't know, Jared, I, I don't know if you've ever sat around and thought about stuff like that, but I had a whole big... Uh, yeah, diatribe I was going to go on, but I'd like to let get your thoughts on on you know things like that. You know, players, older players in lower levels. Yeah, you know it's. I was kind of looking at some of that too because I, I was gathering some Colt Keith data myself to try to throw in there, and I was just looking. And I was like, you know, you know, yeah, these some twenty four year olds at high A, but they're names that people don't really know to begin with, and it's probably for a reason you know these guys are in aren't in double a because this front office doesn't feel that they can handle that competition 
It, just, it yeah, is what it is. You're going to have people like that. That's how you fill out your organization. Yeah, and, and so Alex, well, first of all, we got to say thank you to Bloodright again. Bloodright actually, he said he had to take off, but he did give us $9, so uh, exquisite. And uh, touch of all time, Bloodright, thank you very much. He also said, I'm not even going to tell you what I bet on today, but thank, thank Foley, please God, let it in. Uh, but but Alex kept, uh, said, didn't they just get called up to Erie today? And yes, they did. Myers and Bigby did get called up. Maybe, maybe that's why I put those things up there the other day. I don't want to oh. reveal too much, but uh, um, there was some inside intel, maybe. Maybe, I, I don't want to. Uh, but That's what I get for saying stuff, you know. I, I missed no. out on that. I actually missed that news today. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, it just, yeah, it, Lynn, Lynn Henning, uh, I will say it was probably not supposed to come out until tomorrow or possibly even Tuesday, but uh, Lynn Henning jumped the gun there with an article tonight on, on the minor league stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, my whole thing is, and this is just, it's been the case all year long, ever since, you know, Justin Henry Malloy got off to that crazy start in Toledo and it's call him up, call him up, call him up, call him up. And like, I get it. I get it. The, this is something Raheli and I were talking about uh, on the way out to West Michigan. We went out to see Bo Brisky, his rehab start earlier this week, and then also mm -hmm. caught Troy Melton again. Uh, and it's, it's, I think there's kind of an obsession in this country with progress, if you will. Mm -hmm. And it's, I don't blame anybody. It's, it's not, it's probably not even this country, really. It's just, it, it, it in any capitalistic society. Right. Uh, don't get me wrong. I'm fine with capitalism. I'm not, I'm not, you know, tanky up here or anything like that. I'm just saying. You know, it's a world where a, an oil company can make six billion dollars in a quarter, and people are upset because they made seven billion dollars the quarter before. It's, mm -hmm. And you're still making mm -hmm. ghastly profits, but it's not progress. And I right. just feel like sometimes it's just okay for guys to just stay somewhere and succeed for a little bit. You don't have it, it; they just don't have to constantly be thrown up to a new level and be challenged. And and that's just kind of a, a general thought and with guys like mm -hmm. Myers and Bigby there's a lot of things working against them. And it's kind of what you were talking about was, you know, they're, they're generally considered more org guys, right? So mm -hmm. I, Myers was a 13th round pick. Uh, Big B was a 19th round pick. Doesn't mean that they can't turn into something. Mm -hmm. uh, Corey or uh, Kerry Carpenter was what, 18th rounder, I think. Yeah. Something like that. Um, I know he's later. Yeah. Sometimes guys figure it out later. They get pro instruction. They get, uh, they, they, change their body. If you look at Chris Myers now, he, he looks like he's dropped 20 pounds and turned it into muscle. He, did, he looks a lot different than he did when he, he got drafted. But so part of it is that, but part of it is just like, it really is. There's, there's two sides to every move. Mm -hmm. There's, if somebody's getting promoted, somebody else is getting demoted or cut. Mm -hmm. And they're not like, you know, cold, heartless fans can always just say like, ah, cut him. He's not playing well. <laughs> well, we don't know everything that's going on in this person's life. We don't know, mm -hmm. you know, what the organization has invested in these other players. Are they going to, mm -hmm. so when, with those, like with Bigby and Myers specifically, those are, those are guys who have only played first base in corner outfield. So are they going to go up to Erie? Are they just going to stop playing Jake Holton at first base, despite him right. having a 130 WRC plus <laughs> and, and, no. and being a 10th round draft pick? Um, right. So it's, it, and, you know, there, there are, Ben Malgeri went on the injured list this week, so there is room in the outfield, and they have other guys, but it's like, you know, you go up and down the Erie lineup, and it's pretty strong right now. Mm -hmm. it, you could you could get, you could probably say, okay, we can replace Diego Rincones, except we're assuming that he's, um, 
a Scott Harris guy because he was with Richmond last year in Double A, the the Giants Double A affiliate, and then the Tigers signed him as a minor league free agent. So yeah, maybe he Scott Harris. Just, yeah, maybe or maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he'll get rid of him. I don't I don't know who sure. what the corresponding moves are going to be, but it's like you know Gage Workman has one of the lower uh, WRC pluses and and Erie. Are they ready to give up on Gage Workman, their fourth round pick from a couple of years ago, who they gave uh, a well over slot bonus to? So there's just a lot more to it than I think most fans care to think about or care at all, really. And I, I get it. Like, you just want to see guys move up. You want to see progress. You want to feel like something's coming because you've been watching a historically bad Major League Baseball team for five years. <laughs> right. um, well, kind of like you were saying earlier, you know, there's a human factor to this. You know, yes, yeah, somebody gets promoted, somebody gets has to get demoted. And when they get demoted, their confidence is going to take a hit. They could potentially lose what little livelihood they had with this and they have to start a new career. You know, there, there's a lot of things that could happen to these guys and shouldn't really be rooting for, you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I, I get like, I get, yeah, you see a guy succeed. You want to see him continue on, but we, we have to keep that in mind. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think we all want sports to be a meritocracy, right? Eventually, like at least in the minor leagues, we want the, the guys who deserve to play more to play more. Right. Um, but but are, like it's just not it's never that black and white. There's always more mm-hmm. going on. There's always this guy has been playing through an injury because the team's making a playoff run like he hasn't been performing, but he's, he's gotten it out. Just there's just a lot more to it. And uh, yeah. And I guess with. with so Colt Keith specifically, we can get into because he's the guy who's absolutely tearing up Double A, right? He's he's been on. He was a Player of the Month in May. He hasn't cooled off in any significant way. No, nope. um, I think Stan Stan here in the uh, in the comments uh, with a nice comment said in in the article published today by Lynn Henning, he said Colt Keith is going to get some outfield reps because Jace Young can only play second. Um, I think. I mean, we we talked to Colt Keith before the season, and I I. Kind of basically asked him, I said, I think you're going to have to go to the outfield. Tell me why I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and he told me he'd been working really hard on his defense. And, and I think he's he's gotten himself to the point where he is an adequate third base, second base defender. Uh, he, he would probably be in the lower third in the major leagues sure. defensively, but he wouldn't be such a, a liability that you couldn't play him there. But it certainly wouldn't hurt him to get some reps in the outfield. He's a much better athlete mm-hmm. than people realize, I think, um, for being. 6'3", 240 or whatever, 225 now. He's an average runner, maybe even above average, un- underway. He really, he's like a linebacker. Um, it just doesn't necessarily translate into steals that often or anything like that. He's just, he's, sure. he's, he's a really good runner underway. So I think he could be a good outfielder. But And I also think that it's probably true that Jace Young probably can't play many other spots than second base. He's, he's actually a pretty damn good second baseman. He, he gets, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he, he he's, He's just got a really thick lower half, just kind of pear-shaped. Okay. Um, and mm-hmm. and he, so he doesn't have a great, like, first-step quickness, and is, he's, he's a well-below-average runner. But if he can get to the ball, he gets to it, he catches it, he throws it accurately. Like, he's mm-hmm. a quality defender in that regard. It's just he might he's not going to have the world's best range. Gotcha. Um, but so, yeah, the one thing that I, I was thinking about, and there's like there's all sorts of people speculating, like, oh, if you know, if Colt Keith had been a first round pick, he he would already be up in Toledo or in Detroit, or uh, oh, they're just it's service time manipulation, and it's like I don't think. I mean, we're already past all the service time milestones for this year. Maybe right. they're being super weaselly about it for next year too. It's 
possible? I, I don't know. That, that would feel kind of odd to me. Um, I don't think that Scott Harris is dumb. And it's like, ah, I don't think he's very good. Like, I mean, it's right. possible. He, it's possible he's, he, he doesn't value Keith the way the rest of fandom, Tigers fandom does. Mm-hmm. So my pure speculation, and we've talked about it a bunch of times that we think that maybe they just want Erie to keep completing or competing for the playoffs before they move them up. And that could still be the case. There's Raleo. Uh, do I need to add him or is he going to add himself? Well, I'll add him. Hi, Rod. Hey. Hey, guys. Sorry about that. Um, by the way, uh... it's all good. I've just been going on a diatribe about players, uh, you know, moving up and down in the system. Or how about people that take. Never mind. I'm not going to get into it. I take the high road. I take the high road. I sat yeah. on some news that somebody reported earlier and decided to. Yeah. Listen, it's fine. It's it. Ultimately, it's not huge news, so you can. It's OK, but still, it, it's annoying that I got a text from from Raj at six in the morning on Saturday telling me something. They're like, oh, cool. We'll wait till. They announce it, and we'll have something ready for that, and then it gets uh, scooped. But um, anyway, my, my whole thing, I was – i was we talked about that a little bit. I was talking about, you know, people just constantly wanting players to get promoted and how it's never quite that that easy. Yeah. I don't know if you see that Bloodright gave us $9, too, by the way. Um, uh, yeah, wait, he's not on. here, though, but – Oh, okay. So but, he's uh, exquisite. Yeah. Uh-oh. But uh, so anyway, my Colt Keith – thoughts uh and this is 100 pure speculation but i i feel like it's entirely possible that the that the tigers and scott harris specifically have challenged colt keith to do something that he's not doing um now he's he's turning the cover off the ball he's in for power he's in for average everything my speculation and again 100 speculation is that they know how good of a hitter he is they probably want him to walk a little bit more we know like what does scott harris love right that's all he, he dominated the strike zone and Cole Keith, his, his, his plate discipline numbers are fine. 10% walk rate, 21% strikeout rate. Mm-hmm. But actually, that's below average walk rate in the Eastern League this year. Among players with, with 100 plate appearances, it's like 75th out of 120. He's actually 10th out of 12 on Erie alone. Um, and it, it, like, there's nothing wrong with the double-digit walk rate at all. I'm just saying, like, if they, if they think he's that talented, and we all think he's that talented, he could probably – do what he's doing and walk four or five percent more and be just an absolute beast. And maybe that's what they want him to do. And maybe he's not doing it. So they're going to wait until he does it again, hundred percent speculation. Maybe it's something to do with defense. Maybe it's anything else, but I, I feel like it's, it's completely fair that if the front office, Oh, it's got Harris has challenged Colt Keith to do something and he hasn't done it yet. Then they can keep him at the level until he does it. That, that makes sense to me. Otherwise I, I don't really know what, the holdup is, but that's just my diatribe over and out. We'll continue with the show. You know what? Um, to add to that, I think I think you're probably honest something that Chris, because if we have, if there's one thing we have noticed about this farm system or this recently is essentially they have, I don't want to say they're, they're flavors of the month, if you will. Um, I think they're showing that they're kind of filtering out what we saw, we saw earlier with, uh, Chase Fry, is it, is it Chase Fry that got released? Yeah, Velasquez, and the all said Daniel Cabrera's completely disappeared off the face of the planet. 
and we've seen the development camp be one of those things. And so I think there's something to be to that too. I mean, my irresponsible, you know, in my quote unquote irresponsible speculation has nothing to do with service time either. It has nothing to do with service time. Greg again uh, did a really good job. The Erie Seawolves uh, broadcaster did a really good job explaining that on Saturday that there's some sort of conception or some sort of misperception that it has to do with service time. I don't, it has nothing to do with it whatsoever. I think Chris is probably, I think Chris is on to something with that because if he, I mean, and sure, Jerry, I'm sure you can look at some of the, even some of the advanced numbers too, is if he's not quote unquote controlling the strike zone to their flavor, then that's what it, it could be that. Um, and so go ahead, Chris. Yeah. It, it, it's essentially a nitpick, right? But, but I, I feel like, with a player as talented as Colt Keith, you might want to hold him to a higher standard because you feel like he can be like a great big league hitter, like a four-win, five-win big league hitter if he just does a little bit more. Uh, otherwise, maybe he's a Nick Castellanos type hitter in the big leagues, which is fine, but maybe they think, think he can be better and they just want to see improve it. Total speculation, like I said. I, I just feel like that would make more sense to me than um, any other reason we've heard uh, except maybe the whole playoff thing, but uh, we kind of created that, so who knows? Yeah, I mean, again, it, it doesn't help either that Lynn Henning said, you know, Lynn well, Henning was talking about, like, well, not yet. Well, it, it's nice to, ha- I guess it's nice to know people and just literally phone it in when you want to and then and just versus going in. in at, anyway, um, but well, I, well, look, I think, go ahead, Chris. Well, so, so Stan mentioned, I guess, I guess he read the article that they want, they're going to get Cole Keith some reps in the outfield because Jace Young can only play second base. I, okay. Uh, he also mentioned here, though, this was something that I didn't, I wonder if this comes from the article. I'm going to put it up uh, here. I think I would try to put it up here, but he said something about they say Parker Meadows needs to learn how to hit lefties while Badu is with the Tigers hitting. I, I don't know. Is that in the article? That's, I'm just asking Stan if that's in the article or if. That's something he's heard before because we've, we've talked about this before earlier this year that Meadows is actually crushing lefties this year. Yeah. He can't hit righties for some reason. Uh, so, um, but in any event, sorry to, sorry to interrupt. I was just kind of, I wanted Stan to maybe clarify that for me if he could. Yeah. I mean, again, whether Henning pays attention or not, he would know if he was paying attention, he would know that uh, Park Meadows is crushing lefties and Stan is correct. Uh, minor league options. Um, he has in terms of he can be sent out back down stand. So if, for example, if the team wanted to send him down the triple a, they could. So uh, just to explain that, but it's, as far as, as far as I'm concerned with, again, I, I think it's like one of those things that no, no. And, and Stan mentions this here that it's his observation gotcha. that the okay. media keeps bringing it up. Got it. Okay. Just want to well, make sure. Listen to this media. Tell yeah, you that the, he's actually doing great against lefties this year. He's yeah. not hitting fairly well against righties. But he had a pretty good week, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, Listen to the media who actually watches and pays attention <laughs> to games versus just calling somebody <laughs> on a whim and then breaks news when you sat on something for four days. Am I bitter a little bit? It's no, like, no, no, no. You had no, a bit of a grudge, Raj. Um, a little bit of a grudge. I have every... No, I don't. I don't. Listen, you <sighs> when you have a story and, and you're sitting on it because you're being nice and, and considerate and uh, there are players and teams and, and everything else involved and, but uh you know whatever but by the way just to, just to, for clarification for everybody who listens to this podcast and watches this we sit on news for a couple days on the discord i'm you know sometimes we might hint at things so for somebody that just come out and go eh, blah, 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 
And then when I ask my source about it and they say, I didn't say anything, then the, you know for a fact that this, and then that same source also called out the manager for not being transparent with the media. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll, I'll get I, over this. I'll get over it. It's just, just frustrating. Yeah, just one, one more thing uh, Stan was talking about with the options. That has always been a little bit confusing to people because it makes you feel like, oh, they can only go back down one more time. It really all uh, what they should call this option seasons because you have players generally have three option seasons where they can go up and down back and forth between the minors multiple times. It's only one option year. Like if they do it once, that eats up an option, but then you can send them back and down. It used to be, you know, infinite times, I think during that season, I think they've capped it now at five. Uh, I may be wrong there, but, but so yeah, Maton has, since he's been on the 40 man, he's also gone back to the minors twice or been assigned to the minors twice. So those are two options gone. So he has one more, which means the Tigers could send him to the minors this year if they want to. But then next year they would have to keep him in the big leagues or just release him or, or wave him, I guess, and, and uh, or designate him for assignment and hope that nobody else picks him up. But hope that cleared it up a little bit. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, but thank Yeah. Getting it cleared up once and for all. I'm not okay. I promise I'm not gonna be bitter anymore. I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna move on. We're gonna be we're gonna be adults about everything. That's what we're gonna do. So, and Jerry's like, "What the hell did I? What the hell did I walk into?" Uh, I, hey, I mean, I'd be mad too. So I, I get it. No worries. Right. Okay. I, you know, see, Jerry's smart enough to know what's going on. So I, I appreciate that. But uh, so, uh, have you guys discussed Toledo at all yet? Or were you having? Or were you nope. into this? I, nope. Okay. I came, I came right in uh, swinging about. We talked a little bit about the Tigers. I briefly mentioned college baseball because that's going on. And then I talked about the how player promotion stuff. Did you see how Oregon it was losing to Oral Roberts? Are they? I, you know, that series has been absolutely insane. That was, yeah. Oral Roberts was up eight nothing, seven nothing in the first game and lost. It was the biggest comeback, I think, ever in, in Super Regional. And then last night, Oral Roberts won on a walk off. A uh, guy hit, hit the ball, like caught like a quarter inch of chalk. Uh, the opposite way to, to go ahead. Ooh. So I didn't see what happened. So the, I mean, or Roberts is a four seed. It would be one of the great uh, Cinderella stories in college world series history. They were up earlier. I'm not sure what happened. I think, but they were, I think they were coming back. I'm pretty sure that that's what I saw, but uh, yeah, some crazy, crazy stuff going on. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I tried to, I don't know. We should, hopefully the Toledo slide works. Yeah, it does. I'm trying to get it. I'm trying to get it open right now. So, um, I threw some stuff on there. Yeah, I saw that. Thank you. Yeah, I didn't know I could. <laughs> now I know that I can. So I. Oh, help out really? It worked. Oh, sweet. Okay, sweet, sweet. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know if you want to play the new intro that you were talking about. Then you feel uh, free. Now's a decent time if we're going to start talking about the other. The you know going nope. level to level. Right. Hey, if we're going up. Okay, so if you guys. Okay, fine. I can play the. I'll play the new intro. Why not? It, Fires. Here's one into deep right field. We might have a game tied already. Way back near the Frickers building and off the building. It's a home run for Parker Meadows. And just that quickly, the butt ends tight.
Tell me you didn't get pumped for that. Don't tell tell me you did not get pumped. Watch that. That was awesome. All right. What was that, Chris? Or see anything. So so oh. Um you, but yeah, so me? no, I didn't hear you that part. What would you say there? Oh, I, I said I I just I didn't hear or see anything that was just happening. Just oh really? Computed. Yeah. Sure, you as saw as it, other right? people. Yeah. Yep. Oh. I saw as as other people could, that's fine. All right. So let's get started with Toledo here. Uh, Andre Lipsius has been picking up as of late. And uh, Jerry, I'll, I'll get with you about this in a second. In terms of bad ball data on Lipsius and Meadows and Malloy, um, welcome Joe Rizzo, who the Tigers signed um, from Miami, I believe it was. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Apparently we're obsessed with the Marlins now because this is the third <laughs> transaction with Marlins in less than a month. Well, they and, have the uh, third best record in the National League, so. Yeah. They got great pitching. And Dane Myers, former Tiger, is ripping it up in AAA. Yeah. That, that one's a little bitter to swallow because we watched Dane Myers get so good last year, 2020 guy. But anyway, um, but the surprising stat of the week, though, for me was Jack Olofigan. Five innings, six hits, two Ks in the win. He actually probably pitched the best start the Mudhens had all season. Well, probably not all season, but definitely all week. Um, I think Olsen's starts, his last two starts were probably better than, than that. But, uh, oh, I'm yeah. sorry, I should say the, over the last month or so, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of shocking. He's he's up there for basically to help out, we think, and uh, he did his thing. So, yeah, congrats to him there. That was That's pretty cool to see. Um, but, yeah, the rest of the pitching has been been rough. They, we, had, uh, we had the Matt Manning start today, 45 pitches, I think one and two-thirds innings, a couple – Hits a couple walks, uh, didn't look particularly sharp, but also he's healthy, so that's all we really care about at this point. Yeah, and the bullpen continues to struggle for Erie. Erie's bullpen has been just kind of really. Diaz, is, for example, the other night was um, he went in to close the game and just had a hard time. Also, he had two outs, and then he had like a, I think he got. Almost had the bases loaded, I believe. So he, uh, he's had three straight rough outings. The one I was watching, so they were up five one uh, the other night when Rizzo eventually hit the walk off home run. They were yeah, up five one yep. in, in the night. He yeah. gave up, I want to say, three consecutive doubles uh, to score two runs, and then for whatever reason, Syracuse bunted, and it was a pop up bunt. The third base caught it. Basement caught it, double off the guy at second. So it was like, oh, it's the two outs. They're going to get out of this. And then it was like two walks and two more singles, and it was tied. It was just a, it was a brutal meltdown. And then, and then I think Lipsius got a hit, and then I think Rizzo won it for him. So it was he ended up getting the win despite pitching one of the worst innings of his life. Uh, but yeah, he's just been struggling a bit, and, and that's a guy like we've seen glimpses of him look pretty good at times, but uh, just not not right now for sure. So, Jerry, in terms of some of the batter-wise, just to look at the data, how is the hard hard hit contact with Meadows and Lipsius as of late? Um, <clears throat> you know, right now, Lipsius is still below the league average by about 10%. Okay. So I, I'm actually going to update it later tonight, so I'll be able to get I, – I usually – I like to – I'll try to get – sorry, let me – No, no, I put, you on the, I, I put you on the spot there. That's my fault, Jerry. I actually, I usually get a backup of it so I can kind of compare it from the week before. So let me see. Let me bring that up. Well, you looked that up. Uh, 
This is for Stan. That ball is gone. <laughs> Such you, an Stan. old time. For Stan there. Thank you, Stan, for the $9.99 on our Super Chats. And as always, thanks to everybody for just coming here at all. Yeah. Um, I I, uh, I did see Meadows had a 109-mile-an-hour single today. <laughs> like, nice. I, he occasionally hits the hell out of the ball. I don't know what his, if his average exit below is up yet, but uh, he can put a charge into it. Yeah, there's – and another thing, too, about the Mud Hens that's been a recent trend as of late, too, is as far as starting pitching goes, like well, the reason why I was so excited about Lothigan is that Toledo, usually by the third inning or fourth inning, and it was a case this week in Erie, too, which we'll get to a little later, it, by the third or fourth inning, usually the, it's either Buffalo or in the case with Indianapolis last week, the Mud Hens have to fight back in every single game. Yeah, I mean it's it's been it's been a rough season for them, and they were they were like eight games above five hundred after April, and then they went six and twenty in May, and they are now three and six in June. I think it's um, yeah, it, it, and a lot of it has to do with that pitching, right? Like they they just they're falling behind by five six runs seemingly three four times a week. It's it's just brutal. Yeah, as far as even like for from an offensive standpoint, that's why you kind of have to look at some of the numbers with like Justin Henry Malloy, who continues to struggle. We mentioned here four for twenty five, double home run, which is which is good, but the the walks are not there like they were earlier in the season, and so um, that continues to be a theme there. He just looks off balance to me when I, I've been watching him. He it, it's like it's like that dude who you go play softball with or wiffle ball with or whatever who swings and like both of his legs come off the ground like. It just kind of that's what it looks like right now. He just doesn't look balanced at the plate. And I think he's a pretty talented hitter, and I think he'll get it back at some point. But it's just he's going through it right now, and, and it's lasted about two months, unfortunately. But about, I don't know, maybe five weeks. Yeah. And you know what? There was interesting. I saw a comment today that was interesting because involving the catching situation right now, because the Tigers with Eric Hoskin struggling at the plate a little bit, you're wondering about what's going, you know, who's up next in Toledo even at first base too. And somebody, somebody in the chat asked earlier, who's playing first right now down in Toledo. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> Cause they've been I, spreading I, it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you, get, go you got nap. You got Papersky. You got uh Lipsius playing some first base there. Yeah. They, I think it's mostly those three. I don't know if Donnie Sands has played any first base, but there is not a dedicated first baseman in the way like we projected before Quincy Deporti got hurt. We thought maybe he'd be their regular first baseman this year, but there's yeah certainly nothing like that this year for them. So maybe who knows? Maybe Jake Holton will get promoted. I was talking earlier about like you know you, you move uh, Chris Myers and Justice Bigby up to Erie. Are they going to play over Jake Holton and his 130 WRC plus? It's like that doesn't seem fair. So maybe he'll get boosted. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I think Danny Saray is also heading to Erie too. I think. Oh well, that's an interesting uh, note that was not. Tweeted out, was it? Yeah. Eat it. Huh. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, just I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm not I'm not serious at all. No. Danny Soretti um, for double. Danny Soretti. Danny Soretti might be also possibly head in the area too. But no, it it's kind of a glaring position right now because the Tigers are struggling or getting again, Torkelson's kind of struggling. You got both catchers, Rogers and Ha. So the, the next question becomes is what's who's the next man up? In reality, the Tigers might have to make a deal to get a a catcher that's serviceable because down Toledo, I mean, you can, you can, you can sit there and make the case for Andrew Knapp. Okay. 
maybe possibly, but over the, I mean, he's been as far as hitting wise, he's hitting 246 over the last month and with little power, two home runs. Uh, Perparski is batting a little better. I mean, Perparski could be, you know, I'm not going to say he's serviceable. I mean, he, he's batting 288, but what you see is what you get. And same thing with Donnie Sands. So they don't really, this is kind of like a, it's an ongoing problem, Chris. I mean, this, in, in Jerry, I think you guys would both agree with this. We're going on almost two years here where Toledo really doesn't have an answer for you at catcher or first base, like something like a placeholder. I mean, the reason why I mentioned this too, is because Dave Myers, who the Tigers uh, let go can play first and was playing first in the year last year, a little bit, not, not to the uh, or to a degree, but uh, Stan, as far as Soretti goes, that's what something I was, I heard through my source that Soretti is going to go up to Erie. So that could be right. I could be wrong about that. But that was something that was not reported by Mr. Henning. It was mm-hmm. something that somebody else told me. So, yeah. anyway. But, uh... Yeah, I, I you know they, it seemed like they signed quite or grabbed quite a few catchers for the minor leagues this offseason. So I thought they kind of recognized that problem and were working to try to solve that. But it doesn't seem to be working still. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah, Knapp had a pretty good spring. Uh, Persky was fine. He played in the big leagues last year, I think. Um, we can, we're going to get into some draft talk later. I think some of our questions were about the draft, but and somebody I mentioned it earlier. I think maybe it was Stan. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle Teal from Virginia. There's a scenario I, we think where if, if Dylan Cruz and White Langford go off the board one, two, the Tigers would probably take Kyle Teal instead of Paul Skeens or, or the high school outfielders. Uh, and, you know, that would upset a lot of people, I think, but it's, I think you can justify it as as a above average defender, left handed hitting catcher who can hit can hit for power. Like that would be appealing to me as a Tigers fan, right? Like, yeah, wouldn't I wouldn't hate having a left handed hitting catcher who plays 120 games a year? But in any event, yeah, it's uh, I don't. We're, we're kind of waiting for Dingler to make that the next step, but he's just kind of stagnated. It seems like, and uh, who knows what's going to happen there. So maybe, I don't know, if, if something goes wrong, I think if there's an injury, we'd probably see Donnie Sands, right, because he's on the 40-man. But uh, we've seen things, stranger things have happened before where multiple guys get injured or something goes wrong, and we could see Papersky or or Knapp in the big leagues later this year. Joseph mentions Dylan Paulson as far as a first-base option, but he's at West Michigan currently right now. Yeah. I mean, he would be a, if they just wanted a first baseman, he would be the org move, right? But I, I don't think his stats are particularly strong in West Michigan either, right? It's it's you're just that's kind of just like we need a body at first base. Yeah, and and Stan, I would agree with you. Dan, Stan says in the chat, Dingler and Crouch's progress has been very disappointing. It's a regression for Crouch for the sake of Crouch, but with Dingler, Dingler, especially in spring training, you heard AJ Hinch talked about what he was working as far as like what he was working on and what to improve on. And um, we haven't really seen that. And so defensively, he's still a pretty good catcher down there. But it's, yeah, offensively, we'll get to that here in a second. But, uh, no, it's it, as far as what options are is concerned right now with Toledo, there's really not much. And that kind of leads us to Erie because in Erie right now, they have, I mean, the, the call-ups will, will be, it'll be interesting to see if Myers, I think Chris Myers, who has been a, a really surprised as in terms of like just even his approach to the play, he had a really good opposite field single. We saw him live last week 
I really like him. And if he just if he mashes at Erie, that'll be really that would be a good development for the Tigers because they they definitely need some sort of late development with that. Um, but yeah, no, no, Joseph, that's a good question. Yeah, if it was worth doing anything. Not currently right now, unfortunately. But uh, Erie this week against Bowie. Every game, I, I felt like Chris and I were like as the game started within five minutes. Chris goes, oh, "Erie's right down five nothing." What? What is going on? To Bowie, and somehow they did not lose that much ground or gain a lot of ground. But Altoona came back and won today against Richmond, and so they remain a, a game up on on Altoona, I believe. You know, I didn't check the, check the standings, but I can real quick. Um, and Alex yeah, wants to know is Chris Myers the next Kerry Carpenter? If he can do, if Alex, if Chris Myers can do at this level what Kerry Carpenter did, then totally a possibility. Because I mean, the guy does hit for power. Outfield wise, he still needs some work though. Um, we did take. Well, he's only played one game there. We yeah. saw we, we yeah. saw his first game in the outfield. I, I I know it's a work in progress because he was he was playing left field, and um, it, it's a work in progress. But first base wise, he's perfectly fine. Um, getting to some of the um, oh oh so voodoo wants to, uh, voodoo wants to know anyone anyone know what's up with Franklin Perez? Yeah, he's pitched twice. Yeah, he's pitched in the Florida Complex League. So we'll get to him in a little while. But um, yep, as far as here he goes, uh, Luis Santana had a really good week, and that kind of needed uh, not hitting a lot of power, but he's still hitting pretty well in terms of hitting for average. Will uh, Wilmer Flores' stats? If you look at his stats right there. Pitching that one game, it doesn't seem like there's a lot to be said there, but I thought he still pitched pretty good. The umpiring was horrible. There was a call there that Chris posted on Twitter, and I'm going to show that here in a second. Uh, Jerry, did you see this, by the way? Yeah, I, I unfortunately saw it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, Gabe Alvarez had nowhere to go, and um, this is probably one of the best uh, best calls or best movement. I don't know. It's, it's really cool to see when a, a manager's like, you know what? I'm out of here. I'm just going to walk out of here. I'm not going to throw the plate down. I'm just, I'm done. I'll find it here in a second. Yeah. I mean, that, there was a lot like from the beginning of that game, there were a, Flores had a really rough first inning and it was, some of it was his own doing. He had a couple uh, like wild pitches or miscommunications with Dingler. Uh, Trey Cruz kind of misplayed a, a hard hit ball to center field. It just wasn't a great inning. And he just got out of it like two pitches before he would have been done for the day. But even early in the game, like it was clear that the ump was bad. And and Greg Gagne even mentioned it. That, that in his previous outing, he had missed 36 calls. One that was wow. not called a strike. That one. I, that, I, I, I don't know what he saw. It's, it's you know, I, I, I assume umpiring is hard. And this is a guy who apparently just can't see balls that are in the bottom of the zone. And someone just got run. Was it Gabe? And yeah, this is Gabe, this is. Know. I mean, Gabe Gabe had every right to lose his patience with this. Yeah, and, and he 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 had every right. He could have done it three innings before that. But uh, it, go ahead. Go ahead. Mentioned it many times this season. The same. Oh, I was just gonna say, Greg, Greg mentioned that that Alvarez really doesn't like to get thrown out this year because he's got a really young staff and he doesn't want them to like feel overwhelmed. He feels bad about doing it, but it, at that point, it was just it was too much, too much for him to handle. Yeah, and the, as the guys mentioned in the broadcast, to Greg and Sam both, Erie has the same technology in their dugout that they do in the booth, so they can see the balls and strikes. So I don't know what 
what the umpire saw. I mean, it's just yeah, that, that one you can't miss. That was a that was a really really bad call. But this is to me this is theater. This is great theater right here. He didn't like I said. It wasn't like a uh, Lou Pinella meltdown or anything. He just calmly walks off the field and. Yeah, Flores got squeezed a little bit. So, again, the stats say a little bit more to me. I thought he pitched better than his stats. So, it went in a game. Yeah, his stuff has looked better over the last couple of starts. I think, they said he, I think he hit 97 in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you're you're right. Altoona has a one-game lead over Erie. Uh, it was just a tough, 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 tough week for Erie. And I put that little stat at the end of our slide when we get back to it. That a lot of it had to do with just not getting hits with men on the scoring position. That's a new one. That's great. I've never seen a manager get tossed and So, yeah, if you go, okay, so center field, out that beyond the center field wall is where the, the you can go back to the locker room and everything back there. And, um, so I'm, I'm surprised he didn't do that. Instead, he went. I thought he was going to grab a hot dog or something. I don't know, but I think he's going around. And then you can go out the other way. Uh, you can go to the left out here, and you can go through the complex that way too as well. But uh, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, t- typically when we've been out there, and, and Greg will have us come back for you know to interview the players, we walk through the outfield. It's right through center field, to the locker rooms, the batting cages and stuff. Uh, but he probably didn't want to do that in the middle of the game. He may have considered it and then thought, oh, no, all right. So, But there's no other way to get out of there unless you go up through the stands. So that's what he did. So, yeah, it was funny. And justified. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, they couldn't pull that game out, though. But they did They did win today, uh, thanks in part to the efforts of, of Brent Herter, who was uh, been their most consistent starter this year, right? And he had a rough outing on Tuesday, but was really good today. As you had there, four innings, four hits, seven strikeouts, no no walks, no runs, right? Yeah, no walks, no runs. Pitched very well. Uh, I thought he was he was getting ahead of the batters pretty well. There's a couple times I think Bowie made him work the count a little bit, but overall, if it's just one of those things where he continues just to bounce back, it doesn't really, you know, it's a uh, as far as like just consistency. And then yes, as Joseph said in the chat. Damn, Cole Keefe, I see you. Yes, we all see him. He went nine for 21 this week, hit 429. I don't think there's been a week he has hit under 500 or 400 in about a month. And, um, yeah, he, he had a day off today. What was funny was somebody told us in our uh, Discord that he was in the dugout. We're like, oh, wait a minute. He might have gone to Toledo, but ended up showing up in the fourth inning. So, uh, false alarm. But uh, as far as, look, I'll just say this, and this is something that, Mr. Henning will will not know is that essentially right now for now Cole Keith's going to be in Erie for a while until they figure something out. But they are I don't know again they're waiting to see if he passes the sniff te- sniff test if you will. But if he wins the first half championship, would not be surprised you see him in Erie not too long. But again, it also depends on what AJ Hinch wants, and Hinch wants him to play better defense too. Yeah, you you see a lot of people. I, Hinch was asked about him, I think, and he commented that that you know he's going to continue to work on being a more well-rounded player. And so we see that quote thrown back in our face whenever we post a highlight about Cole Keith. Like, oh, I guess he's just got to keep getting more well-rounded. <laughs> it's like I, I don't know what you guys want, man. Like, I, I'm tempted to stop tagging the Seawolves and Greg on any highlights of Cole Keith because I don't want them to be bothered by all the people getting upset. 
Well, he's done a really good job of during the broadcast. Him and Sam both have kind of been like the hey, calm down, folks. But it's funny because after a while, and Jerry, I'm sure you see this too, where it's, I mean, like for example, the Eli De La Cruz stuff all week. I mean, he's been immediately making an impact with his Reds, but the build up to that too, the crescendo, if you will. I'm sure Reds like uh, our, bu- our buddy Doug Gray over at Reds Minor League Report. He's been there. He was telling me some of the names, you know, um, some of the numbers he's been getting there. <laughs> Stan said it best. The better defense request is a red herring. It's such BS. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ways to look at it, but it's again, until we hear from Scott Harris, it, it's kind of like we're up. It's just irresponsible speculation. And so um, what, one of the things that I will say about Erie this week too, that was nice and Chris did a really good job of posting was Blake Holub, who again came out and just his some of his advanced numbers in terms of spin rate and all that are phenomenal. And I, I think that as Chris, I think Chris is on to something about him being he could potentially be a guy that Tigers may use at some point, either by the end of the year. I mean, if the if the I'm dead serious with the bullpen being the way it is, anything is possible at this point. And he might I think he'd be better, I think he'd be a better pitcher than anybody they have in Toledo right now. It's it's definitely possible. Like so, Jerry might appreciate this. I went back and uh, I I watched Holub last year just because you know it's one of those things when when we get two or three weeks of action in Lakeland, I tried to watch everybody that was down there just to see him, and he looked interesting to me. It was it was an interesting arm. He just wasn't throwing any strikes. I was like, oh well, that's you know most of the time guys don't get fixed from that. I shouldn't say most of the time, but it's it seemed seemingly rare. And then this year he's throwing nothing but strikes with the same stuff and his breaking ball has gotten better. Uh, but I w- went back and looked at some of the data and he had some fastballs getting 23 inches of IVB. Uh, yeah. I mean, the average was, the average was more like 18, 19, but he, sometimes it's just, it's nuts because he's right Even over the top. Even as a peak, that's fantastic. Yeah. It's insane. Um, so uh, yeah, he's, he's a guy who's interested in me just from that regard. And also what happened, just so happened that I was uh, in, I think I was in West Michigan for opening night when they were playing uh, the Fort Wayne, right? Fort Wayne 10 caps, yeah. the San Diego. And the San Diego guys, uh, we see we see these guys at every minor league stadium. That, that every team has them. They, they're there to chart every single pitch with their little computer and put in all the data and they get all the advanced stuff in real time. And the San Diego guys were marveling at his IVB right behind me. I'm like, huh. Well, this is good to know. There, it was like in like one inch of horizontal break. It, it's, it's like a, a weird like cutter with 20 inches of ride. It's yeah, it's a really interesting fastball. And the secondaries have gotten better. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes relievers can move pretty quickly once they figure it out. Right. So I uh, so far so good with him. Uh, unfortunately, he was one of the few like really fun pitching stories in the area this week. It was just a really strange week. You, you, you talked about it like. So Herder got knocked around a little bit on Tuesday. And then was it Wednesday was when we went out to West Michigan, right? Really? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so we're looking and Montero's pitching and it's like double, double, single, single, double, 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 single. He's out of the game. Two thirds of an inning, six runs scored. You're like, oh my God. And then the next day, the exact same thing happened with, was it Gibson Long or was it Madden? I think it was Madden. It was Madden. Yeah, it was Madden. Uh, yeah. I just, they just kept doing it. It was like, man. 
they were they were falling behind in all these games and they kept fighting back, but it was it was just not quite enough. And that's why I put that thing down there at the bottom because through Saturday, they just couldn't get the big hits when they wanted to. That one game they fell way behind and came back to lose eight to seven, I think. Yeah, but well, all seven was, runs. Was that, was that Saturday night? Was that the Friday no, think, night? I, it was one of those, but but they ended up like all the runs came on home runs. They went like 0 for 12 with runners in scoring position. It was weird. Um but so yeah, it was it was a really unfortunate week for them. You know, you host the worst or the last place team. You feel like you can come out of there with a series win, and and you go one and five. But still, only a game behind. Still, meaningful baseball to play. No, and, and there was a good point here by brought up by Voodoo again about the anyone concerned that the Tigers' best hitting hitters like Carpenter and the top hitting prospects are all left handed hitters. Yeah, there there's a there's kind of. <laughs> You can't help but notice it. No, it's something that's been kind of standing out. That's a good point. It's just you're you're hoping you're you hoping kind of reverses here with this draft. I I think this is a draft under the radar that I I know it's, I'm not trying to sound like I'm being like trying to make it sound bigger than what it is, but it is kind of a big deal. This draft is kind of a big deal in the sense because this is the first time we don't have the little field effect. We don't have the um uh, drawing a blank now. So the David uh Chad. Yeah, we don't have the David Chad effect. We don't have the Oklahoma they're gonna buy they're gonna draft everybody from Oklahoma or from like the Great Plains <laughs> states or they're gonna draft somebody from LSU. It's not gonna be the case. We're the Tigers are it's gonna be a whole different process. And so I think this is a draft that they have to get right in the sense of putting the best foot forward. And Mark Connor has done a really good job with building drafts. And you can see those prospects in San Diego right now, they're percolating based off on his watch. So they have, I think to a certain degree, they have to get this right because the, some of the, the bats that are in the system that the stand was almost 75% of the bats. Some haven't been able to hit for power. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, it just feels kind of odd to me because I felt like for years and years and years, the Tigers could never develop a left-handed hitter. Um, maybe it's just because they could never develop any hitters. It was basically, it was, it was like Granderson and Avila and, and Castellanos. And, you know, I guess two of them were lefties. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, all things being equal, I prefer to have left-handed hitters uh, because most pitchers are right-handed. Now lefties tend to struggle left on left more than most, more than righties struggle right on right. Uh, except, Riley Green and Colt Keith don't have any issues with lefties, so I'm fine with that. But um, yeah, sure, you I get more right-handed hitters, get White Langford or Dylan Cruz. I'd be fine with that. Sounds good to me. Yeah, just get some, just get some hitters. Period. I mean, it's just bottom line is that that's that's why I'm so adamant when when John on our other or Motor City Metrics podcast was talking about well about Paul Skies and people are you nuts? You're not going to take him? I'm like, no, they need hitting more than this team needs everything, but. More, more importantly, they need hitters. So yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's an old kind of uh, chestnut, but you you draft hitters and you develop pitchers. We just talked about Hollow. We we will talk a little bit later about guys you could probably get in the second or third round who might have as much upside as Paul Skeens. It's it's unlikely, you know, he, he looks so good right now, but you never know with pitchers. Cleveland does it all the time. Yeah, you know, it's another uh, another organization that's developing pitches pitches pretty well. Is I mean, I think the Yankees. I mean, they always seemingly some as far as international talent goes, they've built some pitchers. Uh, I think it's Alex Warren. Is it Warren? 
It's a uh, Adam Warren. Is it? Yeah, Adam Warren. Yeah, Adam Warren. Yeah. They yeah, did, I mean, they, the little key. I think the Yankees have done a good job developing arms. No, I think you're right. I, I think there are a lot of teams that are. Seattle has done a, an excellent job of of maximizing their pitchers. We talked about the Brewers uh, adding velocity. The Brewers, God, uh, we missed that game. Um, we weren't there in person, but J- Jacob Mizorowski for the Brewers was sitting 98 to 100 with a wicked slider. The the uh, the White Whitecaps didn't get a hit, I think, until the fifth inning when Roberto Campos got a single against them. He, he was just dominant, and that's a dude they got the second round last year. You, the, the arms are out there, man. That you know, half the players in baseball are pitchers, and uh, most of them have a pretty good baseline of talent. And just find the guys to maximize, and you'll be all right. All right, so let's quickly do. Let's go through West Michigan, Lakeland, and we still have the complex league before we get to the draft because it's a bit, quite a bit of show to go. Chase Young, again, not he had two home runs in one game, but Chris Myers, who's heading the Erie. Again, continues to have a good week. Danny Ready also had a good week at the plate. Roberto Campos, 6 for 19. And um, Carlos Pena had a good bounce, I mean, decent bounce back start. Troy Melton, who we saw in person, who was, went after Brisky, looked really good. And I charted his, his starting his pitches 95, 96 a couple times. Threw his slider, was holding his slider really well. I thought he looked really good. That was one of his best starts. He was able to keep the Wisconsin off balance. And so definitely needed a good start for him. And Sergio and YouTube chat, word on the street is that Chris Myers is a first ballot Hall of Famer who needs some who's <laughs> needed some hype. Right. People love he's from Toledo. Toledo. Yep. I was gonna say the, the Mac love all day. I mentioned very early in the show, I mentioned with Jerry that that Chris Myers looks in much better shape than he did when they drafted him. Um he, he's just like like a cut athlete now, whereas he looked he had a little bit of baby fat in his face before. I you hope I mean he's played really well. You hope he can keep it up. That'd be a cool story. Um, I I I still don't know what to make of Jace Young, man. Like every time I, I feel like he's the opposite of Pacheco for me. Like every time I see Jace Young, he's not doing much of anything. We did we have caught a couple home runs from him, but he has these occasional monster games or that monster week last week, and it's just like it's never. For us, and I, I, when I watch him, I see him swing and miss through fastballs in the zone and, and swing over breaking balls under his hand. But the numbers are there for the most part. Like the WRC Plus, I think, is almost 140, 150. Um, so I know people want to know when he's going to get promoted. I don't know. Uh, we don't know. We don't know when they're going to do this stuff. We don't know if they're happy with his production. We don't know if they have him working on something else. He walks plenty. Um, I said, and I was mentioning Jerry earlier, he's actually a very, I, I think, a pretty damn good defender, uh, though limited by his athleticism. Like, But other than that, he c- catches everything and he makes all the right throws and, and he's a heady defender. So, um, as, Yeah, as far as Scooble goes, he went, was efficient, looked pretty good. Um, as far as Campos goes, somebody asked in our YouTube chat, Campos still hitting hard, no extra base hits. Uh, you know, the Campos is in a strange spot right now where he's still showing pretty good plate discipline. He's not expanding much. Teams are throwing him a lot of breaking balls because he hits fastballs. You throw him a fastball, he's going to hit it. I would mention that Jacob Mizrowski, he hit a fastball against them. I don't think you can really sneak a fastball by him. But, yeah, the swing is still not quite 
optimized for hitting a ton of power and a ton of extra base hits. And he's a guy who has some above average bat to ball skills, I would say. So it's kind of like an old school Tigers player where he's, he's maybe not swinging at pitches that he can drive, but he's still making decent contact and finding holes because he's got good bat to ball skills. But you know, down the road, he's going to need to probably turn that into more power, but he just, did he turn 20 recently or is he still 19? I, I think we need to remember that with him. He's so I still young. I think he's 19. I know he turns 20 in June. I don't know exactly the date, but uh, yeah, I mean, he's one of the younger players in the Midwest League. So I, him staying afloat is impressive to me, let alone showing the kind of plate discipline he's shown. And, and he's certainly big and strong. It's just a matter of eventually getting you know the swing to where he needs to to hit that power. And I just wanted to, I wanted to dip back to Troy Melton because. Well, we saw his debut there, and he was throwing a little bit harder and just didn't have quite a, the, the command. And this time, he seemed to have dialed it down just one notch. Still mid-90s, right? But he wasn't like 97. Um, and the breaking ball, he got a fair amount of swings and misses, I think, with that that 79 to 81 mile an hour breaking yeah, ball. Yeah, I think he got like four, yeah, I think he had five or six of them, yeah. Yeah, so he definitely looked like he was making progress, and there's plenty to work with there. He's He's... He's one of those guys, I think, that, that you could turn into something useful down the road because of the body works, the arm works. Uh, he's got four or five different pitches. We thought maybe he was throwing a 91-mile-an-hour cutter at times. I don't know. Like it, it uh, Yeah, he's, he's fun to watch. So it's nice to have that there in, in West Michigan because most of the pitchers in the system are in, in Erie right now. And one thing we did see that was kind of tragic in a way was we saw the last start of Chance Kirby, which – Chris and I commented after the game, wow, Chance Kirby, man. I don't know. He doesn't look the same. And I just, I don't know. This could be the last time we see him pitching. We're joking around, just joking around. The next day, he retired. Yeah. And that goes back to something Jerry and I were talking earlier about. Like, these are these are people. They're out there playing. Chance Kirby was a huge part of Erie last year, was their MVP pitching MVP voted by his peers goes back to area this year, struggles, gets hurt, goes down to West Michigan and he didn't look good. Got hit around. And I think, you know, maybe, maybe his heart just wasn't in it from the moment he got sent back to area this year. Who knows? Maybe it wasn't in it before that, but if you're not all the way in, uh, it's going to be real tough to be a professional athlete. And yeah, he, he clearly was like, you know what? I, I, I'm done with this. So, that sucks. It happens all the time, but it, it does suck to see, particularly when it, when you see a guy who has performed well in the upper minors decides to just hang him up. Yeah, I mean, best travel or hopefully everything works out for him, whatever path he chooses. But it was, admittedly, that was just, I'm not. It was it was brutal to watch in a sense because this guy is the curve, which was such a good pitch for him last year, and got him out of Erie and got him and Erie out of a lot of situations. Just did not look the same. And so um, as far as Cradler goes, still no real. Uh, yeah, that, 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 you that's know, an odd one. Yeah, I was just going to say, from what I've heard, too, it's been all like just mums the word, apparently. So, Alex, I wish I had more information, but the way it's been lately down there, it's been kind of like just little things get out, but nothing on Cradler as of yet. And just fast where Matt Whistler is, he's he was pitching in Toledo this week. Yeah, he, he didn't have a good week though. He no. this week, uh, Matt Whistler in two two innings of work, three hits, two runs, two walks, and three strikeouts. 
comparatively speaking for the last couple of weeks. I mean, that's actually not bad of a week, but comparatively speaking, what he's been doing for that. So that effect. All right. Lakeland real quick. Cause Lakeland, uh, Abel Bastidas. Good week for him. Five for 16. That was nice to see hey, my sleeper. Yeah. There you go. Your sleeper coming through. Dom Johnson continues to hit pretty well. And then there's another guy you mentioned, Chris, the other day, uh, the other day, Carlos Mercado and Connor Holman. Connor Holman had a really good week too. And he was a guy who I believe was in an, um, a uh, independent league signing, I believe it was. But uh, it, it, Jerry, if you have any of the data on those guys, yeah. feel free. Because I feel bad. I haven't said anything to Jerry in a while. But Yeah, sorry, Jerry. Yeah. No, that's okay. That's okay. No worries. You guys are good. Yeah, let me uh, let me grab it here. All right. Oh, so, Aiden, Aiden Zapata brings a Cole Peterson mention to the the uh, <laughs> the chat. Cole Peterson was was an eighty grade defender at shortstop, legitimately one of the better defensive shortstops you'll ever see. Had twenty power and uh, made maybe thirty hit, and he was a, a speedy dude, but just not. He's a guy who would have made the big leagues in the eighties. Yeah, but but not now. And uh, yeah, I think he just. You know, at a certain point, you realize like it's just not going to happen, man. And it's got to be so hard as a professional athlete for that that when that day comes. But uh, if Cole Peterson's out there, uh, shout out to Cole Peterson for being so much fun to watch at shortstop. Oh man, he had an arm too. He had a really good arm range too. Yeah, he had a, he had an arm. He had a glove. He had speed. He just couldn't hit or hit for power, which is not a great thing when you're playing baseball. But uh, yeah. All right, Jerry, where'd you uh, so? Like with Dom Johnson, I'm looking at him compared to the league average up through last Sunday, and the guy's above average on everything. He, I don't know if it's time for him to move on up. You know, like we were saying earlier, you don't want to necessarily say that, but at the same time, I, I mean, he's got a, a a 42% hard hit rate. The league average there is 31%. Nice. Uh, you know, and he he. I, I do have to take it back. So he has 111 balls in play. And the league average for that is 114. So he is slightly below average there. In terms of balls. Well, I mean, yeah, I think that's, so. that's the question with him, I think, is is the strikeout rate is a little high. And I don't I haven't checked the swing and miss, but I assume that's fairly high too. But he's he's definitely an interesting player. He was He's a guy who's intrigued me since they drafted him. But I, I, I could never quite like predict him to be a breakout guy because of those strikeouts. But he's like I don't know five nine five ten and built like uh, built like a Barry Sanders style running back and like really thick thighs, thick torso, but a plus the plus plus runner. He's not stealing as much as, as Seth Stevenson, but he's probably straight line just as fast, and he's hitting the ball hard. So yeah, he's he's an interesting player. I just I worry about the, the swing and miss a little bit. Yeah, it looks like he's striking out at a twenty seven percent rate this year. Which- which is you can live with if he's walking and hitting for power and stuff like that. But also you're a college guy in low A. It's not great. But Right. That, that's, you know, when I look at this stuff, I try to kind of keep that stuff into mind. You know, he if he's if he's older, yeah, college bat in a lower level, he, he should be kind of doing this, right? I mean. Yeah. So, I think it's so, so, uh, so should Peyton Graham, their second round pick, and he's right. yeah. not. So, uh, you know. Yeah. So as we yeah, recall. so much. Yeah, I was looking at some of the advanced data on that too, uh, on Graham, and it didn't look didn't look good at all. He's, he's just so skinny, man. He's just too damn skinny. He's like the opposite of Dom Johnson in this case. Yeah. He's below it's, average everywhere except for the balls in play. 
Yeah. But I did notice, sorry, not to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. ahead. I noticed Christian Santana seemed to improve his numbers from the previous week. So that seems encouraging with all the struggles that he's been going through lately. He, I saw his average is, is it, it creeped up near 100. It was like 0. 0.098. He had a home run and walked twice, I think. Um, yeah, I mean that that's he's he's a kid who the thing I kept pointing out when I was doing the Statcast articles when you're pulling that data for me it was that his 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 launch angle or his sweet spot rate was just brutal. Like it, it felt like he was probably just popping up everything. And right. from watching him, we put up a clip of his. He had a terrible, no good, horrible, very bad week. Uh, and we put up a, a video of it, and it was just, yeah, pop-up after pop-up after pop-up. So I think his swing is a little bit too steep. But he's certainly a very talented guy. He got, I think, the largest international bonus in Tigers history. So uh, hopefully he's turning the corner because that would he's still very young. That would be yeah. a, a nice sign to see. Yeah, I mean, before this week, he, he moved his heart hit rate up 3%. His sweet spot rate went up 3%. His barrel rate went up 1.2%. I mean, a lot of good stuff, things you want to see for out of him. Yeah, especially because, yeah, the struggles have been with him have been just – it's just a shame to see. I feel bad it. for the kid. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I wonder if it's almost like a mental thing. Right. So let's – Last slide really is this the Florida Coast League or Florida Complex League and the, the both Dominican summer one is number two teams. And the stat that Chris pointed or Chris found out that no one talked about was DJ Peters, who was an outfielder and probably maybe still is. I don't know. They have him listed as an outfielder uh, was pitching this week in the complex league action. So Tiger signed back in December from the Dodgers. And I think he spent time in another organization the Rangers. The Rangers, thank you. And yeah. nothing. Like, there's been nothing about him on anything of, like, just – it's almost like they stored him away somewhere and put him on ice or something, and then out of sudden, boom, you st- appeared in the box score. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a, uh, a clip from uh, Motor City Metrics. It may have been pre-name change of me geeking out about the, the Tigers getting DJ Peters because I always loved his tools. He was like – he's like an O'Neill Cruz level – tools goof like he was a plus plus runner like six foot six huge arm huge raw power can't hit uh so the tigers i think made an interesting decision to take that big body and throw him on the mound and see what happens and i'm really intrigued to see what happens with that unfortunately it seems like whenever a player makes that transition he eventually blows his arm out they're just not used to the workload of throwing and pitching so we cross your fingers that it doesn't happen to him this year but uh yeah it'd be fun to see him Maybe work his way up the ranks, and maybe even see him in West Michigan pitching later this year. Yeah, I mean that would be that would be ideal. Be cool to see. And yes, Duque Ebert, which was in the World Baseball Classic for pitching for Team Nicaragua, made his uh, exp- uh made his first appearance in the Dominican Summer Team for the Tigers two team, and pitched very well. Four innings, three hits, two, three strikeouts. And what's unfortunate is we don't have any video of this at all because the Dominican Summer League is closed out to the public and same thing with the Complex League. So if we see any video or somehow the some miracle of uh, God, fine, we get some video, we will post it as soon as possible. But uh, yes, Iverson Leonardo does sound like a bat, uh, all-star team to <laughs> that, that's an all-star <laughs> name. It is definitely all-name team. It's a uh, 
Yeah, he had, he got off to a good start. Yeah, I mean, uh, some of the other, I mean, it's it's you, you know, we we don't know anything. Raylan Perez was tearing up the DSL last year, so we just like, hey, look at those cool stats. It and so far he struggled out of the gate this year. We know the guys who got bonuses. Josue Braseno was a catcher who got a pretty big bonus, and he's off to a good start this year in the Gulf Coast League or the Florida Complex League. Uh, Samuel Hill or Gill is off to a pretty good start, too, so that, that's nice to see. You had Fran Yerber Montilla in there highlighted. He was one of the four or five bigger signings from last year. He's still down in, in Dominican, but he's producing. Javier Osorio was the big signing. He's still a little bit iffy down in the Dominican. The only other thing to mention there was somebody brought up Franklin Perez. Franklin Perez pitched twice this week. The first time was not good. He gave up two or three runs. Uh, last time he pitched was was solid. He didn't. I don't think he gave up any runs. Maybe one walk, one hit, or something like that. But he's still in the organization. We have no idea if he's throwing hard. If he looks good, I mean, you have to think the chances are really slim that you're ever going to get anything out of him. But he's still trying. So that's at least something. All right. Um, so we're going to end the podcast with talking a little bit of the draft. Just not, I mean, there's going to be probably a pre draft show where we go into every single, I think we'll probably do a positional breakdown. But um, as far as what's going on lately, with especially with the College World Series around the corner where some seasons are over, the, the one, I, I guess we could pick one person and talk about him real quick and then we'll, we'll wrap this up in terms of like a, maybe 30 with the Tigers draft at 37. And there's one guy I wanted to mention as a, a somebody that could potentially be there, and I'm not sure if they would go with another like another bat or not. But this is a, a now this sounds like a perhaps a, a stretch at 37, perhaps, but maybe. Um, I don't. Know, it was it was a name that was, there's two names that I liked, and that I wanted to talk about first and foremost. Another, there's a another because I think the Tigers are not afraid to draft high school bats because of who they have there. So, one name that I thought that maybe might be there at three at thirty seven was a pitcher, might be Hurston uh, Waldrip. I, I don't know his draft stock is getting better though. So yeah, I mean he's he was awesome the other day. I, I it wouldn't shock me if he goes off if he's the second pitcher off the board. Um, okay. but you you never know. Yeah. Because I was going to even think of somebody like, for example, Charlie Soto, the you know out of high school, yeah, yeah six five, he's already looked like a built like a tank. But the the high school that instead was another Colt Keith, Colt Emerson, and he's Ohio kid, yeah, Ohio kid, bats left, he's right in the neighborhood, and he has been making hard contact in in terms of like just looks like a pretty good defender at shortstop too. So he's committed to Auburn. But I don't know. This is some way the way the Tigers have been unpredictable a little bit. Maybe I don't. But I I watched some video of them the other day, and I was like, wait, wait, "Who's this?" And so those are two. If they're there, hopefully. I mean, as far as the pitching goes, I don't know if that will be there. But uh, runner up for pitcher wise, if he's still around, then maybe like a high schooler kid like uh, a Travis uh, Sakura. That'd be nice too. Yeah, you know, we actually got some questions, and they kind of trended toward the draft. Um, I don't know if we want to address those. Yeah, let's address those questions. So, yeah. so, so um, the first one was from Deadly Ninja Bees. The first was not the draft. He said, what does the crystal ball say about Trey Cruz? Um, 
does he have a future in the majors? And then the second one if uh, was if the Tigers take a high school hitter, how much money would that save them for their second and third pick? Who could slip to those picks? Um, Trey Cruz, I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but but Rod, you wrote an article about him. You talked to him. What what do you think? What do you, what, what's the crystal ball hold for Trey Cruz? I think there's a possibility he gets to the majors. I think because he's been able to he made a really nice catch in the outfield. He he's he he's really good with knowing the spaces already in the outfield. And I think he can play multiple positions. He's a good utility bat. And I wouldn't have said that last year, but this year, as far as ball the ball the bat skills have improved. He may have had a slow week, but I think if there's one thing, if he has a slow week, he comes and he comes back and picks it up pretty quickly. But the power numbers are there. The power numbers are significantly better than they were last year. And I think the, the tweaks he did make him a guy who you can see maybe come off the bench or it's just maybe like I'm not sure about an everyday starter, but I could definitely see him based off the bloodline too. That plays a large part of it too. And and having your father is a good resource. His father was there this weekend. He was the head coach at Rice, so that was good to see. And and like having those resources really go a long way. Yeah, I mean, I I think um, the one the there were a couple of big developments this year with Cruz. Uh, he's hitting for more power. That he did before. He's always had that power there, but he's producing now because of the, some of the swing tweaks he made. And he's been playing an, a, a, a solid center field, which he was not doing. He didn't play any outfield up until uh, this year, I don't think. And so if you've got a guy who, who has some power, who walks plenty, and, and can capably fill in at shortstop and center field, I think you have a big leaguer. I don't know if necessarily if it's for the Tigers, but I think that's the sort of utility player that every team could use because you can keep him on the bench and you bring him in, you, you, you know, pinch hit with him. He starts twice a week or whatever. And you can, and certainly the way, you know, AJ Hinch has managed this year, they've been mixing, mixing and matching guys all over the field. Trey Cruz is a switch hitter that adds more versatility. He can play third base, second base, shortstop, all outfield positions. I think, there's a role for him in the big leagues, not necessarily an everyday player, but I do think he's going to be in the bigs uh, possibly as soon as next year. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the Andrew Navigato is kind of a similar player. He's not a switch hitter. He's not, I don't think he's ever played center field. So I think that takes some, some of the luster away there, but uh, yeah, I think Cruz has got a chance. We did get a question. Does he have a preferred sidewall hitting? I don't think he does. I, I, he didn't mention that when we when I talked to him about that before. So I think he said he really, from what he is, what I can remember, based off how they use him in, in the lineup, he doesn't really, it doesn't have a preference, I don't think. So, um, yeah. And to the second part of that question, I, I don't think, so the Tigers have the third overall pick, right? Where the, the draft slot value there is, is 8.3 million or something crazy like that. I don't know if they're going to use all of that no matter who they take, maybe if Dylan Cruz slices there, they'll, they'll spend it all on him. Um, but I don't think you're going to get a significant haircut on, on either of the two top high school outfielders. If they take him, take them maybe a couple hundred thousand. I don't know if it's really going to help you that much. I think if they went the Kyle Teal route, they could potentially save a million dollars or two because he probably doesn't have a home until the sixth or seventh pick or later. Otherwise, and that's, you know, it's the calculus there is like, do I take this now and still get more money than I would get three picks from now? Uh, whereas like Walker Jenkins and Max Clark are probably going to go top five, top six, no matter what. So they, there's not really an incentive for them to take 
a big discount. Uh, but that leads to the other question where like, you know, who, who is going to be available there? And that was our other question from Epic D3C. He said, who do you guys want at picks 337 and 45? Um, and and Rahelio had already started talking about that. It's, it's, it's awfully hard to know who might be there in 37 and 45. Um, but I don't know. Did, did you have a preferred choice of three? Um, if, if Langford or Cruz is there, then yeah. But if not, or if, if those two are off the board, then I like Teal. That's what I like. I mean, I like to get a college bat. The reason why I said high school bat um, is because they, Mark Connor, this organization, some of the guys before are not afraid to take high school bats. So, Jerry, what do you have a preference for at three? Um, you know, I, I was listening to you guys on a podcast earlier this week and, and you kind of convinced me of Teal. I'm really intrigued by him. He, and, and, you know, it seems like there's been a lot of catchers taken early that have done pretty well. Like, I mean, it, it's hard to disagree with it, you know, and it's a college bat. So it's going to, they're going to come through the system theoretically quicker to help your big league team. And as we mentioned earlier, catchers been not a great position of strength. So it just seems to make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that that's the pick if you want to get kind of wild and, and you know, a big brained about floating guys down to your next two picks and, and trying to give them bigger bonuses. I, ideally, I would like Langford at three, you know. Uh, if not him, I, I, I do like Jenkins. It sounds like the Tigers don't necessarily like the high school bats. I would like Jenkins if, if – both the high school or both the college outfielders are gone. Um, that's my preference. And then, and then in those middle rounds, this is a pretty strong, or at least deep draft, I would say, for like middle infielders. Just uh, you know, Rahelio mentioned Colt Emerson, and uh, there's just a lot of there. It's not. It reminds me of a couple of years ago the draft. It, they don't have the, the high end with Marcelo Meyer and uh, Jordan Lawler that we saw, but like the depth is similar where the Tigers ended up getting Pacheco uh, like, you know, 30 picks later and the Rays got Carson Williams and the A's got Max Muncie and there's all these kids playing middle infield. And so I, I, I like this kid named Adrian Santana. He's a high schooler out of the Miami area who is a switch hitter, plus plus runner, no doubt shortstop. The, the only real question with him is how big and physical is he going to be? Is he going to hit from a tower? And to me, that's, um, you know, I guess that that's a concern if he's getting the, the bat knocked out of his hand. But the reports early this spring were that he was showing more pop. So I like the idea of getting a high school shortstop. Those guys seem to work out pretty well sometimes. Uh, and then there's, uh, and, and like to what we talked about and what Raj's point is, you can you can get arms and work on them and, and make them better. And there's a kid named Brandon Sprout who pitches for Florida who actually was drafted by the Mets in the third round last year and didn't sign. And he's always had, ever since he was in high school, he's always had really good stuff. It just never quite worked as well as you had hoped. Like his fastball's up to 101. He's got a plus change up. His slider's above average, but it's never worked out. And the fastball might, it might have, you know, it could be a shape issue where even, you know, it doesn't matter how hard he's throwing it, it's just not going to miss bats. But to me, that's, that's a guy that keeps getting projected to be like outside of the top 30 picks. So like, you know what? I'd take a chance on that guy with the 37th or 45th pick and, and see if you can figure out something there. Um, but 
it's so hard to guess right now, right? We really kind of need to do it in as the draft is going on to say, okay, these guys are available. That's the guy I want, but it's it's hard to say right now. Yeah, or maybe like if they wanted to uh, uh, please every Michigan State fan in the world, they go with Mitch Jeb, the forty-seventh pick, or that 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 third pick yeah. there, because that guy, Mitch Jeb. He, Mitch Jeb, could be around, and he's got a pretty good hit tool. And then so I saw some of his Cape Cod League numbers, and he hit really well. So. I think he that, may have been the MVP in the Cape Cod League, or uh, he maybe won the batting title there. But yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a, a a really good hitter, really funky batting stance and approach, kind of old school. Just looks like he's aiming to slap it the other way, but he can hit. He's got speed. He can play shortstop. Probably he may be more of a like a you know play him everywhere. I compared him to McKinstry. Yeah, uh, he's probably has faster. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he's a, he's a very interesting guy who could go in that second or third pick. Right? All right. And and Alex said, "Give me George Lombard." Yeah, George Lombard is a guy. Uh, he's very he's the son of the Tigers bench coach. You'd like to think that they've got an in there, but he's a guy who really has kind of been rising up draft boards this spring, and it wouldn't shock me if he goes somewhere in the twenty to thirty range, and the Tigers just don't have a chance to get him. All right. I mean, you could play hardball and say like, nope. Unless I go to play for my dad, then I'm not going to sign. But uh, teams tend to call bluffs pretty well. Yeah. Like, okay, I I dare you to turn down three million dollars. <laughs> Show me. So, anyway. Yeah. This it's gonna be like I said. There's gonna be some interesting bats too in that in that later round too. There's you know Gino Groover, the third baseman out of North Carolina. Lou James. Yeah. Lou James. Um, <laughs> well, that that ninja base said is there smoke about teal to the Tigers. There were there were multiple reports uh, that Connor and Rob Metzler were at uh, were in Atlanta for when Virginia played Georgia Tech, and the assumption is they're watching Kyle Teal uh, because you know he's he's a potential top ten pick. There is another name though that they could have been watching, and, and Raj, you brought him up the other day. He's the younger brother of a current A's top prospect, and Jake Geloff, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, who hit a monster home run off Duke. I watched that whole game, and Virginia had no problem taking care of Duke on Saturday. And I thought he he had, I think he, his team record home runs, too. I think it was something to that effect. He, right. I thought it looked really he, good. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a, he's a, uh, he's a tooled up kid who hit for a lot of power in college, and they could have been watching him as their second or, you know, their supplemental or second round pick, so. It's tough to say, but uh, as far as smoke is teal to the Tigers, that's basically it. They saw there were some, some, you know, brass watching him play, and that's where you put two and two together. Yeah, if you're thinking about like a ninja smoke, like you know, you put the smoke down, <laughs> to escape from people, then that could be the case where they could be throwing. Really? You know what's funny? You know, Chris, Jerry, I don't think it would surprise me if the Tigers went and got Max Clark, and just like you know, like they just there's all this like there's just. I don't know. Like, there just feels like if there's a vibe out there, like they they know who they really want, but no one knows except for one man, Sky Harris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we, we can do a lot of it's it's a ton of speculation, and part of it's kind of educated based on who they seem to be watching. But we've heard so many times about like guys got signed by team, and kids are like, I never spoke to a scout from that team. I never saw anybody at my game. I have no idea that they like me, and they drafted me. It happens. Usually not with like a top five pick, but 
who knows? We don't we don't really have a good feel for how Scott Harris does anything yet. He's he's pretty quiet. Um, well, that's so, the hard part. That adds to the complications of trying to make these predictions, right? Yeah. You don't know what they're going to do, so you can't even try to make an educated guess. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was like, yeah, we don't we don't have any particular inside insight here. We we do know some people who are in the amateur uh, world, but basically, we're basing everything off the the mock drafts that everybody else sees. Know, pipeline and and uh, Fangrass and Baseball America. So we do our best, but but we're gonna sure as hell have a good show about it. I think at least that's the hope. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. So uh, draft show, July 9th, starting at six thirty with the pregame pre-show was with Juper uh, and John are gonna be holding it down, and then we'll start at seven. And by then we'll have a better idea what's going on with the draft, and we'll we'll continue. There'll be a couple articles this week dropping as we'll do some draft uh, prospect coverage and what the Tigers potentially could look at, look at in terms of player profiles will be out this week and more. So go to TigersMLReport.com. And I think, I think we covered everything this evening. We'll be back on Sunday. I will not be here next week. Jerry and Chris will be holding it down next week as I will be in Oscoda. Let's take any vacation and uh, with the family. So it's our annual family trip. So, we're doing that. So I'll be out and Chris and Jerry will field all your questions. And of course, Oh, and uh, the Brent Hurler store will be up tomorrow morning. Just have to finish adding it and that'll be available for your consumption. So myself, yeah, nice. I did. Oh, I added, uh, yeah, we put the Melton one up. We got a Montero start, a Sawyer Gibson long start from recent. I'm going to put Flores's outing up just so people can see it. Um, there were two last questions here. Harrison Garrett said, how many rounds are in the draft? There are 20. It's a 20 round draft for, for going forward from now on. And the Deadly Ninja B said, How does how does Max Clark compare to Corbin Carroll? Which is fun because they are both, you know, lefty, shorter, lefty hitting high school outfielders. Um Corbin Carroll's pretty awesome, despite his uh I, I don't I'm not crazy about his facial hair and his hair, but whatever. I sound like <laughs> a whole person. Um <laughs> Max Clark is actually a, a better defender, I think, than Corbin Carroll. Hey, Nobody really saw Corbin Carroll hitting for the sort of power that he has. So it's it's really tough to say. And that's kind of the question mark about Max Clark, just based on his his size and his lack of projecting or projection. He's he's basically maxed out already, no pun intended, at that, you know, like six foot one eighty-five or whatever. But uh they're they're fairly similar players. Like I've I've made the comparison before. Like you can hope that he's Corbin Carroll, but he also might be Mickey Moniak. You don't really know. So um and Clark has Clark has a uh, better arm. If uh, everything goes to hell for Clark, he could probably pitch. He's he's been in the low nineties with his uh, left arm. So, in any event, that was. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're fun to compare, but it's tough to say. Fair enough, because yeah, it's going to be it'll be interesting, nonetheless, as the rumors heat up. So we'll talk to you next Sunday. Have a, or these guys will be joining next Sunday. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks, everyone.